like to um, present our next speaker, Jane Curry. Jane is a lecturer in nursing at Sydney Nursing School, based at Mallet Street Campus, that's the university. The university. Jane's clinical and academic career focus on the contribution of nurse practitioners to patient access to care. Jane joined Sydney Nursing School in 2012 after serving in the British and Australian Defence Forces as a nursing officer. Her experiences in the Defence Force included operational tours of Iraq and Indonesia, serving in primary healthcare and emergency department settings. That must have been scary. Jane is endorsed as a nurse practitioner in the field of emergency nursing and has worked in this role in the UK and Australia. Let's give Jane a, a welcome and thank her for coming today. Jane's going to talk about mass casualty education for third year nursing students. So I'm looking forward to hearing it. Thanks, Jane. Thank you very much. That was a lovely introduction. And uh, I have to say, for me, there's nothing more scary than getting up in front of a group of people and speaking publicly. I'd probably far, be far more comfortable in Iraq or uh, Indonesia or, or anywhere else. So, uh, so there we go. Now, this afternoon, Janet's kindly invited me to share with you some of our insights at Sydney Nursing School as we've introduced mass casualty education to undergraduate student nurses. So there's the sort of four key things that I'd like to reflect on with you, if I may. And the first thing is, why would we introduce mass casualty education to undergrad nurses? When the dean first presented it to me and said, Jane, you're a new academic here with your military background and some of the training and experiences you've had, we would really like to invite you to lead this new unit of study. And I was sort of scratching my head and thinking, is this a bit unusual? You know, normally we do this sort of training once we're qualified. So I'll share a few insights of mine with you about that. Then I'd like to talk about the course. Uh, and so we'll talk about the philosophical educational underpinnings very, very briefly. I really don't want to um, put anyone to sleep. Uh, and then I'll tell you about the course, what, what we do, and some of the pearls and pitfalls that we've learned over the years since we've implemented it. So when, when we think about why we would teach undergraduate nurses mass casualty management, my mind immediately goes to how often these incidents occur. Now, hopefully, and hopefully in the future, they continue to be quite rare. But they do happen, and we talk about them as two broad categories. So one of them is very relevant to the conversations that, that we had this morning, uh, because they're, they're environmental causes. Things like the weather, tsunamis, cyclones, uh, bushfires, many of things that we've had uh, even in the last fortnight in Australia, really, unfortunately. And then there's the man-made disasters. So they're things like terrorist attacks. They're things like transport accidents. Everyone will remember the... Um, the boat, the Concordia in, it, in Italy that sort of ran, ran into a, a, a cliff face. Um, then there's mass gathering incidents. Um, and the, the screenshot you can see there is from the Hillsborough incident, which was many years ago in the UK, where there was a big crush of people uh, and some man management issues in the stadium of this soccer game. And, you know, lots of people lost their lives. And interestingly, they've only just finished the inquiry into that. And that incident happened somewhere in the late 1970s, early 1980s. So it's a very interesting event. But um, when we think about these incidents, my mind then goes to what do nurses have to do with these terrible disasters? Although they happen rarely, what's our role within that? 
And so then my mind goes to, well, what sort of casualty flow do we receive from some of these events? Obviously, the, the, the mode of distribution of ca casualties is different depending on the type of event. But for most traumatic uh, injuries, so more, most maybe tsunami incidents, mass gathering incidents, we tend to see a trimodal effect. So the, the first effect is the immediate uh, sort of incident itself and the immediate loss of life or, or injury. And for nurses, what would that mean to us? Well, if we're working in the pre-hospital setting, then we'd need to have some capacity to care for those patients. Then the next phase is sort of the first 24 hours after injury. And again, this is where nurses, medical practitioners, healthcare practitioners can have the biggest impact because it's during this sort of golden 24 hours that we can actually help those that can survive, survive. So obviously nurses have a really big impact in that. Most of these patients will now They'll be in hospital settings. Some of them might be in the community, depending on where they're seeking care. And then there's the, the third and final phase, which is the, the period, you know, in the months and weeks after the incidents where some casualties uh, develop sepsis. Uh, many people are, are displaced, and so lots of social issues arise. So I think just from going over a little bit about what is a mass casualty, the different types of mass casualty, we can see that nurses have a role in many different settings within that. So my mind then went to, well, of course, why aren't we training our undergraduate nurses with at least some skills uh, to manage these incidents? Next slide, please. So thinking again, you know, about the, the why, I had a look at the literature in planning the course and trying to understand a little bit more about what education nurses receive. And there's a study back in 2009 in South Australia that, that inferred that not many nurses, even in the emergency setting, actually received mass casualty management training. And the majority of training that is received is in the postgraduate setting. And you might have heard of courses such as the Major Incident Management Support course, which was developed first in the UK and brought over here, and that's a two-day course. And it teaches us about sort of the steps involved in managing a, a major incident. How do we triage people differently? Because we don't use the Australian triage scale in a mass casualty. There's a different scale. You know, what, what will we do in, a, in the crisis? How will we organize the casualties? Where will the walking wounded go? And these courses provide all of that information. And I'm sure you'll agree that probably the worst time to learn how to deal with an incident is in an incident. So any preparation that you can do beforehand is, is very valuable. So, in thinking about the why and developing the, the course that we've implemented at Sydney Nursing School in the Bachelor of Advanced Studies course, we looked again to the literature to try and see for many ex educational examples of how mass casualty education had been brought into undergraduate nursing courses. And there really wasn't very much. So very, very much the case that, you know, we, we don't have many courses available and there isn't very much information available about the courses that are run. And most, most of the courses that focus on mass cas are actually being run in the States. So 9-11 had a really big impact on the Americans and their... Uh, their philosophy of care and also their preparedness for incidents like this. I think really, you know, it, it really uh, took something like that to, to grip people to really think that although these incidents are rare, when they do happen, they're so catastrophic that we really need people to have some level of training to deal with them. So the course that we've implemented is called First Line Interventions, and it has three modules within it. It has a predominantly pre-hospital care focus, but I think you'll see as I explain some of the detail, there's lots of elements of pre-hospital care that you can extract and make relevant to the hospital setting. 
And I say that because I fully acknowledge that the majority of students that we're training at Sydney Nursing School will go on and work in the hospital setting. There'll be a, a few of them will work with the Royal Flying Doctors, a few of them will join the military, but the bulk will be working in the hospital. So it's very important to me in designing the course to make sure that this held relevance to them. So the three modules that, that we have, the first one's called stabilization, and that's stabilizing a casualty predominantly in a pre-hospital environment. So as we can imagine, working pre-hospitally, and I'm sure many of you do, you've got less equipment available, you've got less machines that go ping, there's less people that you can ask for help, you've got only a finite amount of equipment. So you can imagine already how that hones in the clinical decision-making that you have um, and hones in your clinical skills. You might not have a pulse oximeter available, so you might have to look for different clinical signs uh, of perfusion, etc. And this is brilliant training for our student nurses uh, because it means they can't rely on a lot of the numbers that they have relied on. They have to really focus on their clinical skills and apply what they've learned. Then we move into a, the second module, which is transportation. And here we look at how do we transport a patient from the pre-hospital environment into hospital. But we also cover transferring patients from ward to ward, transferring patients to the CT scanner, which is you know, a very high-risk time for patients, particularly if they're ventilated. Uh, and then transporting patients out of hospital to other environments. So again, there we try and link as far as possible to the hospital setting to be sure that the knowledge is gonna be useful and that the students can apply it easily. Then the final module is called the Mass Casualty Module, uh, and that's where we teach the, the students the basis of the principles of the major incident management support system. Uh, and we go through the triage activities involved in mass cas, uh, how the, the hospital system would run, how they would declare a mass casualty, um, how the state would organize itself to respond to a mass casualty. So again, we look at pre-hospital, but we also bring in the wider strategic element so that the, um, the nuances of the higher command isn't lost on, on the students. We're very lucky at Sydney, we've attracted lots of assistance for this course. Um, we have assistance from directors of nursing, Excuse me. We have assistance from the Hospital Emergency Management Unit at, at state level. So uh, Rosemary Hegner comes and engages with the students, which is fantastic. New South Wales Air Ambulance are involved, paramedics are involved, and we have some military nurses as well that come and help. And between us, we did deliver a series of lectures, a series of tutorials, and a series of labs. And these are all designed to layer knowledge. So we start with the simple and then we move through up to the complex, as I'll explain in just a second. The most exciting component of the course, or the, the students think so anyway, is the mass casualty element. Uh, and that we make into professionals. So we invite medical students to work with the student nurses in groups and care for groups of simulated casualties. And I'll explain a bit more about that shortly. Next slide, please. So, Please don't fall asleep on me. This is the educational theory component. So it was very important to me that we structured the course to the advantage of the students' learning needs and you know everybody has a different learning style. So we married Benner and the novice to expert model, which I know everyone's familiar with, with the experiential model of learning uh, that Cobb devised. And so to do that, we start with simple concepts as with Benner. So we're moving through novice all the way up to expert. Uh, and to give you an example, in the stabilization module, we'll get the students to care for one patient with one injury. Moving up to mass casualty, they, they care for multiple patients with multiple injuries. So you can see we sort of scaffold the learning like that. With Cobb and the experiential learning, we give the students lots of opportunity to experience. So we make the labs as lifelike as we can as possible. We use 
fake blood, we use um, Simman, we use all, all manner of mannequins that we have. And we devise scenarios that, that test their, their capacity to apply what they're learning in all the theory modules into practice. We reflect a lot and we have a reflective assignment for the students, but we also debrief because I'm sure, as, as we all know, most of the learning that we do actually occurs on reflection and on debrief when we give ourselves the time to think back to what we were doing, what might we do better next time, etc. Next slide, please. So we, we throughout the course, we have a, an equal focus on what I would call the technical skills and the non-technical skills. So it's very important that the nurses can manage a patient clinically in the pre-hospital environment and in a mass CAS, but equally as important are those skills of teamwork, leadership, and communication. So every activity that we do, um, we labor those skills as just as important. And when, when we work through all the scenarios we give the students, we nominate a team leader, a scribe, somebody to manage the medications and equipment, etc. So the students are constantly rehearsing these skills. Again, starting with the simple and building all the way through to the complex. So the, the most exciting part, or that's what the students tell me, is the, the mass casualty scenario that we run for the students. And we run this as a six-hour lab, and it's the, the penultimate day of their whole course. So this runs in the third year, the final semester. So it's very exciting to me, and it always feels like a privilege to have nurses who are just about to step out and make that big leap into clinical practice as registered nurses. And it's sort of our last opportunity, really, to help and support them uh, and give them lots of encouragement in how they apply their skills. So how we run this is we, we pre-film a video handover, and uh, we do that with the local fire unit, usually in Newtown, and we engage the local police. So we try and make things look as real as possible using um, lifelike scripts. We make up an incident that's happened, maybe a, a roof collapse, God forbid, or a fire in a hospital, and we have a, a fake incident commander who role plays giving this verbal handover. The students watch the handover in groups that they've been pre-allocated to. They, they um, advise themselves who will be team leader of that group. And then they have to undertake a planning activity on the base of information we, we give them. So we tell them about the scene, we tell them about some of the hazards. And from that, they have to extrapolate mechanism of injury, the type of equipment they're going to need, the different hazards and challenges they might face when they get into this simulated activity. Then they choose their equipment that they're going to take in, which is very important. So they've got the handover, they know what the incident is, and they, they handpick the, the, the sorts of equipment that they need. But of course, they've only got one bag, so they can't take a, you know, a pair of crutches with them, or um, they can't take maybe two defibs, only one. And so these are really good sort of discrimination skills that the students are learning learning how to apply uh, the skills that they've got in a, in a resource-constrained environment. Then what we do is we introduce them to the medical student volunteers that are going to join them in the, in the scenario. Uh, and we do that at the last minute to reflect the notion that often in real life, you know, be it at a, uh, maybe a, a cardiac arrest, be it in a medical mobile team or something, you don't know who you're going to be working with until the last minute. And so it's a really good opportunity for the nurses to, to reflect on that, get to know people quickly, gain rapport, and ascertain what people's strengths and weaknesses are. So it's very important. Then the students go into the simulation, and it lasts about sort of 20 minutes. We, um, we have casualty actors who are students in the same course. So uh, we divide the day into two and run the simulation twice. Half the students will work in the role of student nurse, and the other half 
um, excuse me, as casualty actors. And so we moulage them up so they have bleeding wounds and um, different burns, depending on what the scenario is, and, uh, and, and let, them, let them role play through that. Once they've done the simulation, they're facilitators who are um, industry partners from New South Wales Air Ambulance or paramedics or the emergency department nurses and doctors. They'll, they'll run the students through a hot debrief and then we'll do a main debrief of a panel debrief with all of these key members giving feedback on what they would have done with the casualties that the patients have seen. And then a few weeks later, the students do a written assignment, which is a reflection on the event. And again, that's to reflect on the technical skills. What clinical skills did they use? What could they do better next time? And also those very, very important non-technical skills of leadership, teamwork, and communication. Uh, I work with a colleague called Sarah Karouche, and um, she says to me every year, you know, that planning the mass casualty, it's like planning a wedding. Uh, every single year, and I sort of think, yes, ha having you know got married myself, it really is. Uh, it takes an awful lot of staff to to do it. And the very first time we ran it, we didn't really have that much capacity within the faculty in terms of the number of us that could apply moulage and casualty makeup to patients. And so, things that we've had to think about is running training days, both in how to do simulation and what we would like the staff to do to facilitate the sessions, but also casualty makeup. But everybody loves it. Uh, the, the faculty's taken to it really, really well. And people sort of actually get a bit sort of like proud of uh, what they've done. And, oh, that's my burn over there. Uh, you know, as people are taking pictures of it and things. So it's quite fantastic. To run the day, it takes about 30 staff members. Um, and also, we engage lots of industry partners on the day, which is its so generous of people to give their time and come in and support our students uh, in what we're trying to do. But, you know, it builds lots of networks between people. And we've actually got to the stage now where students who have graduated from the course are coming back and they're sharing their skills and experience uh, with, you know, other students in the course, which is fantastic. So as we're going on, we're building capacity more and more which is just as well because our student numbers have risen dramatically. So we started off with 57, then we went to 104, then 120, uh, and then now we're up to sort of 140, 150. And so every year we're trying to tweak the design to keep the reality of it and not lose focus on any of the educational pr principles. But it's getting a bigger wedding uh, every single year. So um, it's something like the royal wedding perhaps now uh, that's, that's coming later this year. Next slide, please, Matt. Thank you. So we, we tried to, to evaluate through research how the students have found this activity um, because what we're really trying to do is, is give them learning that they can apply in the clinical setting. And it's very, very hard to prove that through research unless you do some sort of really longitudinal project. Uh, and even then, you know, the, the response rates are, are quite, quite difficult to maintain. So we, we've done things like administered satisfaction with simulation scales, unit of study evaluations. We've done some work on developing a debrief tool as well. And we're doing some work on assessing whether the attitude towards teamwork has changed for students, having them done all of the training and all of the non-technical skill training that we take them through. And as you can see on the slides, feedback is very, very positive. The students strongly agree that the the whole course, and particularly the simulation, really pushes them in their clinical decision-making. They believe that the skills that they've learned and consolidated in the course have value in their future clinical work. So that's sort of as close as we can get, really, to ascertaining whether this is a valuable thing to do. Next slide, please, Matt. 
And so what have we learned? Well, we've, we've learned that the, the MASCAS and the whole unit's a very positive unit for the students. It gives them the opportunity to bring everything together at, at the last point before they then leap off as registered nurses and um, hopefully go into their new grad programs. Having our community partners involved has been fantastic, both for my own learning, the students' learning, but just building networks for the university, but more importantly, the students themselves. So they'll meet the paramedics in the MASCAS. A lot of them will swap details if they're interested in that line of work, uh, and they might then keep in contact. So it's very useful bringing people into the university. Uh, and again, we're very lucky to, to have had um, so many come in. Um, we know as well that the, the opportunity for the MASCAS is a, a big step in interprofessional learning, and we'd like to broaden that a lot more. So at the moment, we involve the medical students, but of course, it's not just doctors and nurses that work in a hospital or work pre-hospitally. You know, what about our allied health professionals? And we're at a university with faculties of each of those uh, disciplines. And so the bigger vision is to bring everybody in into the simulation. Um, and I don't know what we'll call that, the, the wedding of the millennium or something like that. I don't know. Uh, but that would be a really big project. A couple of the pitfalls are the, the human investment and the, the resource-intensive nature of an activity like this. Uh, and sometimes in my own mind, I have to think very carefully about how far we push the simulation because, you know, it, it has to be of value. The investments that we're making have to be of value. Uh, so so it, it is a consideration. And we're always looking for facilitators. So if there's anybody out there that has an interest in MASCAS or would like to help us and learn more and become involved, then please don't be shy about contacting me uh, because we're always looking for people to come in and facilitate and to work with us and to, to grow with us. Next slide, please, Matt. Oh, okay. I'm nearly there. So this, this, some inspiration for how we might push this forward um, has come from my experiences in the military. So before the forces deploy on an activity in the UK and now over here in Australia, they do something called a hospex, which is a hospital-wide exercise. So they build a hospital out of sort of, you can see these screen barriers. Um, they don't have walls, they use those, and they, they effectively mark out this is the operating theatre. This is the intensive care area. This is the ward. This is the hospital admin cell. And what we do is we put patients, simulated patients, through the system and then have external people that are faculty to that. So my big vision at the university is to, to bring all the health professionals together into a really enormous space and try and build something like this. We're a little way off that at the moment, but we have some changes at, at, at Sydney Uni where we're all moving into one big health faculty. So we'll no longer have individual faculties of nursing and medicine uh, and OT and, and the health sciences. We're all going to come into the same faculty. So there'll be a lot of opportunities from that. Next slide, please, Matt. So before I finish, um, I'd just like to acknowledge all the people that have assisted and developed in this project. Really, you never do things on your own. Um, we've worked in partnership with Sydney Medical School. Uh, we've had loads of input from Royal North Shore Simulation Centre. New South Wales Air Ambulance, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I must acknowledge and thank all of those people that have helped us. Next slide. Thanks, Matt. If anyone's interested in reading anything further, then I've put some references here that might be useful. Um, there's an article that, that um, we've written on what we've done and explains the educational theory and the evaluation in a lot more detail. Uh, there's a, a, a reference there to our debrief tool that we've used as well. Thanks, Matt. Next slide, please. And that's all from me. Thank you very much for listening.